Welcome to the Feel Strong Fitness Podcast. Fitness, nutrition, and lifestyle programs created for your goals and your reality. No magic pills, no judgments, and no time to waste. Let's get into it. Welcome to the Feel Strong Fitness Podcast. My name is Justin McClintock, and I am excited because today we have Dr. John Herding on the podcast. He owns, he's the owner of Precision Performance Physical Therapy, as well as he runs RISE, the Rehab Integrated in Sports Education. He also has a podcast, Training Room Talk. You would think that we're in competition, but we are not, uh, and I'm excited to talk about that. I asked John to be on and very excited that he was gracious enough to do it because he is one of what I think of as the next level of physical therapists, people going beyond getting you so you can move around your house and use your arms and be alive, but get back to doing the things you want to do, getting people working out and back to working out beyond just not falling down and getting hurt, but being able to live your life the way you live your life. Dr. John Herding, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for having me, Justin. I really appreciate it. Thank you. How did I do there? How did you do summing up the, the many things that you're doing? That was so outstanding. I really appreciate that. And it's always I take a step back when people introduce me like that. And I'm like, wow, like, that's a lot going on. But it's all fun. It's all fun just trying to get out the good word and all support each other. Um, we're absolutely not in competition with each other. It's how can we support each other and help each other, you know, put out to the masses, what they deserve and make sure that everybody's getting what they need to make sure they can continue to do what they want to do. Yeah, exactly. And you have you have three locations for precision performance right now. Is that true? Yes, we have three kind of brick and mortar locations at this point. Does that include I know that you're sort of within some gyms? Is that the same? Or are those in additional locations? No, yeah, our model with our physical therapy clinics has kind of become how can we partner and you've seen this how can we partner with gyms because they have a great resource in very knowledgeable trainers that can help us in the process um, of physical therapy, especially when you have you find the gyms that have the right mindset in, you know, rest isn't always the answer, but you can partner, you can coordinate with someone like you, Justin, as a physical therapist, you only just help me look better because you have the knowledge to continue our rehab process and adjust programs with people. Um, so they can continue to work out as we are treating them for any injury that they're moving through. Um, yeah, I couldn't agree more. Yeah, like you, you understand the value of progression and regression and the continuum of a squat being whether someone's sitting down onto the toilet or a squat being someone squatting 500 pounds. And how do we adjust that within a workout based on a, like maybe a low back injury, right? Um, so our, our clinical model has become how can we partner with gyms to just create this team around the individual dealing with the injury. So yeah, all, each of our clinics currently it shares space with with a gym. Oh, all three of them do. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's exciting. That's great. So as the owner of this mini empire, what would you say? What is your mission or maybe the mission of precision performance, if you prefer that? Yeah, it really just comes down to being able to provide good quality of care really to active individuals and athletes, because we saw a need there and a population that was really kind of underserved in the physical therapy space. 
So we want to become the leaders in the ability to treat athletes, help them get back to high-performing lives while working through the injury process. To us, rest isn't an an, a sufficient answer. Um, yes, there's a time and place for rest, but there's also a time and place in for crafting a program so that it supports the recovery process while they're still working towards their performance goals. I mean, that makes perfect sense for, for me and people listening to this will, this may sound, this will sound extremely familiar. Given that I agree that there's a big kind of white space there, why do you think most PTs aren't doing what you do since there's, there is this available audience there? Yeah. Um, I think traditionally PT, it, there's a very broad scope of practice in PT, right? There's the acute care, so working in hospitals, there's your neurological PTs that are working with brain injured people, there's um, your subacute facilities, so working with in a nursing home, um, and then there's traditional outpatient orthopedics, and then there's you know this other realm of high performing athletics where often a PT looks more like a strength coach, right? Um, but they have obviously other skills that licensure allows them, you know, to do with the hands on stuff. So. I think there's like PT school is such this broad scope of learning everything so that you can be safe in settings when you graduate, that the learning process doesn't really happen until a physical therapist graduates from PT school. Because the three years of school is how can I be safe um, and understand the knowledge I need to be able to treat in any one of these different paths that PT offers. And then so once a PT actually graduates, then they begin to specialize and then they follow the education that they want. They want to specialize in athletics and active individuals, then probably their education needs to go more down some of the things you've probably gone after, Justin, like mm -hmm. the strength and conditioning principles, you know, and techniques and playing around with that stuff. Um, whereas if someone graduates and they really want to work with a neurologically impaired person, like they need to take their education down that route. Now, is that, forgive my ignorance here, is that like mm -hmm. a formalized residency or is that just, just the way good PTs get good? You graduate school and then pursue the kind of education that you think will fill in those corners that you see for the way you want to go? Yeah, there's both. Within PT, there's there's residency programs that are usually, there's residency and fellowships that are, you know, one to a couple years long, um, and you can specialize through a residency and get your uh, neurological clinical specialist or your sports clinical specialist or your orthopedic clinical specialist or your geriatric clinical special specialist. So those those opportunities are definitely there for physical therapists. Mm -hmm. Got it. When do you think, what are indications that someone should see a physical therapist? Aside from, let's say, a extremely traumatic incident, you know, you were in a car crash, you will probably need some physical therapy. But people, the sort of folks that I refer to you, like what are indications that people should look for? And mm -hmm. sort of a follow-up to that, do you think most people wait too long or not so much? Yeah. I think very often, especially with somebody coming from you, Justin, it's clear the red flags, right? So, so physical, we might have this little bit more knowledge in being able to clear red flags that might point to a low back injury being something a little more serious than just a muscle strain from a deadlift. Right. I think, and this is what makes it challenging. Like there's, there's strength coaches like you, Justin, that understand the injury process and can definitely alter lifts and help people through movement, get out of pain. But there's also such a low entry in, in strength and conditioning that there's a lot of people out there that I wouldn't trust with anyone right for sure um 
So there, there's some people where you give a little more leeway. It's like, okay, Justin, this person has a little back pain. Why don't you tweak this here and here? And then if they really need some more dialed in manual therapies, like I'll be happy to see them, right? If, if it's taking longer than you think, or, you, or just something's not right, or they need something more than what you can offer, right? Mm-hmm. If someone that's new to the field, doesn't have a ton of experience, isn't well-versed in the injury process and maybe how to alter movements, like refer out pretty quickly and immediately. But I think whenever, I think some of it is just, does it pass the smell test with you guys? Like, is there something more here that I don't understand? Be quick to refer out for things like that. If there's, you know, something that might require a little bit more manual therapy, definitely. And always make sure red flags are covered because God forbid you miss something like a cancer or neurological injury or something like that. And now they're three, four, five months down the road because you thought you could fix it with movement, but it was actually something a little bit more serious metabolically. Yeah, for sure. And that's a good point. I, I think I think what you're saying applies at least as much to coaches as it does to athletes and people who like exercising. Don't be afraid to say, I don't know, and look around and do some research and be very ready for that research to turn up. Hey, buddy, this is way outside of your lane. No, you, you, you're not going to fix this with some dumbbell rotations and a band not this one and refer it out to someone who who can do that stuff and can you know put their hands on someone which is one of the things i i can't and shouldn't do and and i think the key with that is just make sure that you establish this network of people that you trust right because it's not a thing with ego where you know you know what justin someone's someone i don't take someone's insurance you can carry out this rehab and we'll touch base when we need to that's not an ego thing. And that's making sure we do right by the person. It, you know, when some, when a strength coach refers someone to us, the strength coaches that we work with don't see it as they're losing money. It's I'm offering a, offering a better service to my people. They're going to get better, but you know what? John's probably going to work with me. So they, maybe they see him once a week and we can still keep on our two or three session a week, personal training. So it's this prosperity mindset where the client feels that they're being taken care of by a team versus I'm not going to refer to Justin because he's that's taking money out of my pocket. Right. Fighting over scraps and not actually helping the person that allegedly we're supposed to be helping. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Now on that, I completely agree with you that that the strength and conditioning field, it's a uh, your mileage may vary. And I tell that to people all the time. There's great coaches out there, which we're trying to be one of them. And there's people who are terrible. Uh, and I've had the same uh, same experience with physical therapists. I'll tell you until about six years ago, John, my physical therapy experience was overwhelmingly negative. And mm-hmm. I really like I had formed this opinion that there were people who just used a TheraBand, the same four exercises twice a week until the insurance ran out and then you got kicked out the door. How can someone vet, uh, aside from maybe networking and asking a coach for a referral who they trust, how mm-hmm. can someone vet uh, their PT or physical therapist to see if they're uh, one of the good ones, as I would say, not to put words in your mouth, but someone who's working with this like progressive mindset and trying to get them back to where they actually want to go. Yeah. That, and that's the thing, Justin, I think that your experience is not unlike some of what we continue to hear today from physicians and um, patients. Right. I, I mean, we, yeah. I heard just last week, my physician said, don't go to PT for this because it's not going to help. Cause it won't be enough or something. Yeah, traditionally, just the the PT experience has been underwhelming. Um, And that's what I think's allowed us to kind of come in and and do so well is because we're trying to change the game and change people's perceptions on what PT's PT looks like. So I I think one is people have to understand that just but this is like any other profession, not all PTs are created equal, not all strength is coaches are creating equal, 
not all financial advisors are created equal. Like it goes across all industry. So, so first it's word of mouth and asking some of your friends and colleagues is going to be a great way to find someone that's good. If they've had a good experience, then, you know, you can go down that path. I also think if you're looking for someone that's in the realm of knowing how to understand active individuals and athletes and properly load them and understand what they're going back to in the gym, you want to look for a physical therapist that has a background like that. Do they train themselves? Just like a strength coach, you should have some experience in athletics or working out to understand what the person's doing and what they're understand what their goals are to be able to get them back there. You know, that being said, you know, Justin, if you used to work out religiously, but now life's gotten in the way and you've tailored off a little bit like that, you still understand what they're getting back to because you, you understand you've been in the gym setting before. Right. You don't necessarily need to be a highly competitive athlete, but you should, you know, maybe have an indication of what your deadlift is these days. Yeah, or just understand how to what a workout is, what it feels like, mm-hmm. right? What general muscle soreness feels like, or general muscle soreness feels like when you haven't worked out in a year and you get hit your first workout in a year, right? And then if someone comes in and they can't walk, that's normal. You haven't worked, you haven't loaded that aggressively in a while, right? Um, so, you, so you want to look for someone that understands what a workout feels like, what it looks like someone that has a background in coaching individuals and writing programs, especially in this realm, physical therapy school does not provide the education in programming and loading um, that we need to fill this space as PTs. Um, So we're actually, we've created a course at Widener University where we're doing an elective 10 week course to take eight PTs right now through this process. But that's uh, cool. Yeah. PT school traditionally doesn't teach progressive overload and how to write a program outside of traditional three sets of 10, two sets of 12 to 15, maybe five by five. Right. Right. So you want to look for someone that has coaching experience, understands what it's like to work out and understands how to write a program. And then just even to take it a little bit further, can they tweak a program? If you're someone that you know, doesn't want to miss a workout for whatever reason. We all know people have a variety of reasons that they go to the gym. Do they, are they well-versed in the language to be able to coordinate or tweak a program with you? Um, Because a lot of PTs don't speak the same language. I know, I don't know which, maybe you can share some of your experiences, Justin, but in my experience in talking to other strength coaches and their interactions with PTs, PTs will just say, well, don't do this, this, or this. And they want a little bit more guidance yeah, just taking things off the table, like, oh, if that hurts, don't do it. But not recognizing that. And we try and uh, we try very hard to not put goals on people. Like, yep. If this is important to you, then I believe it's important to you. And as long as it's not going to be incredibly injurious or unethical or something, I am I will do everything I can to help you move toward that goal. And if part of that is, no, I want to go do my group class four or five times a week, that should be part of the goal. And frankly, it's going to be the motivating, uh, a big motivating factor for that person. If you if you can show them that's where you're going, you're much more likely to get compliance than, mm-hmm. well, just do this and you'll be better, but don't do all these other things that you actually enjoy. And that's why part of the reason I think why people don't stick with programs. Well, and, and think about when you get a client that comes to you and says, I have low back pain, my doctor told me never to deadlift again. Oh, God. Yeah. Right. And more grocery shopping for you. Yeah. Or, or, or never squat again, but they're a power lifter that has a competition in six weeks. Right. Or right. you're going to have low back pain as long as you squat. Right. Um, but we all know the progression 
of a deadlift where just start pulling from blocks, take your back pain away, and then slowly, progressively, along with some other assistance stuff, work the barbell back to the floor, right? That helps a ton of people. Yeah, and understanding that path for someone is, well, we talk about it, and all the people listening will understand it, mm-hmm. is still relatively specialized knowledge, which is strange, but it's true. Mm-hmm. And that's that's how you, you know, tweak, you know, if someone, if someone their, their sense of well-being and their social structure is a CrossFit class, and then they come in and they don't, and they don't want to scale, because it's a it's a deadlift day. They have low back pain, but they don't want to scale. We've all seen those people, mm-hmm. right? Hey, you know what? This is fine. You're still going to do the deadlift portion of the the class today, but this is how you're going to do it. Yeah, a way that they can still move forward that feels satisfying and rewarding in some degree, but is also right. safe and moving them forward and and actually getting the things done that we want for them as healthcare providers, uh, but keeping them sane at the same time. Yeah, because they're still involved in the class, so they're getting the psychological benefits. Mm-hmm. There, it's there's so many different variables that need to come into play than just oh, you have pain, don't do that. Completely, and that that actually uh, dovetails nicely into the next thing I was going to talk about. We take a really inclusive approach to people and to sort of what we think of as fitness and wellness. Like nothing is necessarily off the table if it's strength and conditioning, but maybe it's nutrition or focusing on your sleep or. Uh, putting some breath work in to reduce stress or increase your CO2 tolerance or whatever it is, is anything, is there anything that isn't physical therapy? I know that you do, well, you, you tell me, I don't want to put, put words in your mouth, but I know you have a variety of manual therapies that you do. Is, is there anything that isn't on the table or can anything be physical therapy? I think it all falls into much of what you're doing. It's lifestyle change. Maybe you're not healing as quickly as you could be because you're not sleeping. And why aren't you sleeping? Is it because you have stress and too many things you're thinking about at work that's not letting you fall asleep? Is it the sleep environment that you have? Like, you know, so I think there's all these different aspects of wellness that we need to set the patient up to, you know, for success and healing, right? So you're checking off lifestyle factors like sleep and nutrition, and then you're getting into adjunctives that maybe help the process along, like the manual therapies and then the guided specific exercise. Um, but we also forget that the body is really resilient and really good at healing as long as you set it up to do so. So I think it's there's this all-encompassing approach of making sure lifestyle fits, nutrition fits, and then when paired with the manual therapy and the guided exercise, it just all comes together and it's great. Now, we've used the term manual therapy several times. For anyone who doesn't know, could you uh, give them like 90-second spiel on what 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 that means? This, this could turn into a whole other podcast. Mm, I'm in. Um, yeah, manual therapy is any time that I guess we're putting our hands on people. So that includes any stretching techniques, any massage techniques, any instrument-assisted techniques, anything where we're using our hands to maybe help promote blood flow, help soft tissue healing, help stimulate the nervous system to do what it does. But yeah, so anything that we can do to help along the process of um, controlling inflammation, promoting healing, anything. What kind of instrument-assisted stuff? What, what's a few examples of that? Okay, so cupping. There's um, like washa or Graston technique. There's in some states you can dry needle, that kind of stuff. It's super interesting. Oh, it's great. In that inclusive idea, and we've talked a little bit about this earlier. How do you see your relationship to coaches? And are there people you're trying to bring in and make that net wider? Or do you count on good word of mouth to bring the right people to you? 
I mean, definitely a little bit of both. We always want to expand our network of great coaches so that we can provide our services to help you guys look better. Um, I think the way that we pr we promote ourselves is coming to someone like you, Justin, and being, how can we help you, right? How can we help you? And then everybody benefits. Um, yeah, everybody wins. Absolutely. Like we, we, it's hard to find coaches sometimes with the right ideals because they have a prior history with PT that wasn't great. And it's hard to break through that prior perception sometimes. Sure. But if you can get in and you start to speak the same language and maybe they come in and experience what you do, then, then I think the narrative changes a little bit, but you also have to find the right people that don't have the scarcity mindset that have this prosperity mindset where everybody wins if you refer out versus again, like we talked about before, I'm not going to refer to John because he's just going to tell them the rest and take money out of my pocket. Right. He's going to steal them um, from me. Yeah. But, but to us, coaches are a great referral source because very often you have a several month or several year relationship with somebody where you've been training them for forever and they trust you and they'll do whatever you say. Whereas the typical physician relationship is maybe 10 minutes and right. not very personable, depending on the, um, the bedside manner of the physician. So, you know, for example, Justin, you hurt your knee, you're working with a trainer, you've been working with them for months to years or whatever, you're going to trust their referral, maybe more to come see us than if you just go to see the physician, and then he just sends you somewhere. Um, yeah, there's a lot of credibility there. And, and it works both ways. Like, when I send people to you, I know they're going to be in good hands, so I'll keep doing it. Because the last mm -hmm. thing I want to do is send someone somewhere and they have a terrible experience or it doesn't work because the wrong things were done or, you know, irresponsible things were done. And that's no one ever wants to be put in that situation. So it's definitely a two way street. Yeah. And it reflects poorly on you. And but then when you have the right people, then the your client is thrilled, you know, because they they feel again, like we keep reiterating it, but it's they have the team around them that really makes them feel special um, as long as they're getting what they need. For sure. Now you have your podcast training room talk, correct? Yep. My, now correct me if I'm wrong. My impression is that you're talking both to athletes and clinicians. Sometimes at the same time, sometimes sort of one's a little more focused on one episode is focused on one group a little more, one on the other group a little bit more. Is that accurate? Yeah, the podcast has been an interesting process. Um, originally, it became it, we wanted to. I think we have over 100 episodes, but originally we wanted to direct it towards answering the questions we're getting from students, answering the questions we're getting from professionals, answering the questions we're getting from patients, like even what to expect when the doctor tells me I have rotator cuff tear, right? Um, or what to expect when the doc the physician says um, I need surgery, this type of surgery, or mm -hmm. what to expect with the rehab process, just because we, what we've been finding is people are wholly undereducated in the medical process. Very much so. But then it's also now more recently become with the expansion of some of our continuing educations be, become it's now shifted more towards helping professionals and new clinicians improve their practice and provide them with the solutions to be able to do so. Is that incorporating RISE? Yes. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Do you want to talk about that a little bit? Yeah, so we we always have a steady stream of students coming through, whether they're undergrad students getting hours for PT school or you know physical therapy students where they need to do um, up to thirty two weeks of rotations coming through to complete their training. Okay, um, we all, we have a steady stream. We're booked for the next two years 
students going through. So a lot of people, especially when they get undergrads, they say, what can I do to improve my application for PT school? Or it's current PT students are, I love what you guys are doing. I really want to work with athletes. You know, how do I get there? And it very often came down to start getting experience coaching and writing programs now. Because when we would get a PT student coming for a clinical rotation, that could be anywhere from six to 10 weeks, they just didn't have any idea how to coach a squat, how to coach a lunge or a deadlift or write a program or even tweak a program if someone came in and said, oh, I tweaked my my shoulder playing baseball this weekend. So there, there's this, like we talked about at the very beginning, there was this gap in knowledge base for at PTs that wanted to work with active individuals. So we would always say, start coaching now, start writing programs now, even if it's for free for your friends. Um, what we strove to do through this rehab integrated in sports education is provide current students or new clinicians with the path, the guided path to be able to get there more quickly um, outside of having to seek out, you know, because when you start to enter the world of continuing education after school, it just becomes this cluster of like, where do I start? It's overwhelming. There's certainly a lot of options out there. Absolutely. Many of them not worth your time. Yeah, and I've taken a lot. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We wanted to yeah, guide. I have a bunch of certifications that aren't worth the paper they're printed on. I spent so many hours, so many weekends, so much money, and nobody cares. Mm-hmm. Um, like we can all trace it back to you know one or two that have really crafted our practice, and we throw in tidbits we read here and there. But you know, we were talking about before about a class that really seems like it changed the way that you treat and you coach. And I've had several of those as well, but yeah, so we basically created this 12 week online live zoom session program. There's homework involved so that we can make sure people are are taking away what they need to, to be able to, you know, set the foundation for where they want to be with um, as physical therapists, working with athletes and active individuals. And make sure that they're showing up and actually doing it and not just, watching a video and pressing the complete button and getting their certificate in the mail. Absolutely. It's, it's one hour a week, um, live zoom sessions with homework associated with it, with outside readings and recommended readings. And it's really become a robust platform that, um, hopefully fills that gap for those new clinicians and current students coming out to, to get them started on the right path. And then we have, we're not just saying, Oh, thanks for your money you know, you took the course, see you later. Like we're trying to now foster this online community through Facebook groups and constant communication where we continue to be a resource. You know, we want to help people through the process instead of just, you know, saying, well, thank you for the 12 weeks. Thank you for the money. See you later. And I don't think that support happens with a lot of the courses out there. I completely agree. I mean, first, congratulations on all your success with this. And sincerely, thank you, because you're making it, you're reducing the friction for people who want to be the sort of clinician that you are to get them there. It sounds like faster, easier, and more cheaply than than you had to do to get there. Yeah. Well, that's the goal, right? You take all these things, and then you try to guide, like I'm trying to guide my staff and then the people through this RISE program through this, like, I've been there. I've done that. I took all these. Most of these aren't worthwhile. Go this direction and just expedite their process to hopefully move the profession forward. How much, if you know the exact number, I'll take it. How many staff do you have? We have four full-time PTs, Mm -hmm. including me. And then we have like an office manager. What do you look for in a physical therapist who, who wants to work with precision performance? They have to be motivated. They have to be people first, 
show that they care in, in the process of helping someone because we've all heard Mike Boyle's quote is people don't know how, don't care how much, you know, until they know how much you care. Completely. Right? That's number one. And, and part of that is whenever we get someone that transfers from another clinic after six or eight weeks of not feeling better, they're like, yeah, but I didn't leave because my therapist was awesome, which yep. I never understand, but it is what it is. You have to hire personality and you have to hire people that care first. They absolutely have to have coaching experience. Um, all of our clinicians now have strength and conditioning coaching experience, so they know how to write a program. You know, involved in that is understanding how to progress and teach and tweak some of the big lifts, like your squats and your deadlifts, and even getting into some of the Olympic lifts, like cleans and snatches. They need to be able to pick out the overarching stuff. Mm -hmm. um, whereas we might refer to someone like you to pick out the minutia of a lift sure. like that. But if someone's having low back pain and they're pulling the first pull of a clean wrong, you should be able to pick that out. And then it's like, all right, Justin, help us refine this process as they're ending the rehab component. Related to that, are there things that you wish coaches or gyms did that they aren't doing or maybe did better? Maybe just forming the relationships with the right people, right? Like not trying to be on an island and do everything for everyone. Having the relationships where you're you're comfortable with a PT that can complement you and that the PT feels like you compliment them and there's no egos involved. Yeah, I do not as someone who works in a city, I am astounded how many gym owners and coaches don't know any other gym owners and coaches. You're like, what are you mm -hmm. what are you talking about? They're they're less than half a mile away. How can't you know these people? And that and, and some of that's the prosperity mindset is you work in a city, how many people are in Philadelphia? How many millions of people? I think we're 1.7 million, something like that. There's enough people to go around for every gym. Yeah, there's plenty. <laughs> yeah. And and there's no reason why you can't refer to a trainer you have a good relationship with if they have a better skill set at coaching something that rather than you, you know, like if they're if they're better at nutrition counseling than you are, you should be comfortable referring to that person. And you would hope that there's, you know, you'd hope there's reciprocity throughout and it all come, it evens out for everybody in the end. But don't be afraid to refer to a nutrition coach who's also a strength coach because they can pair those things together for a client that has a specific goal. Completely. Same thing, same thing if you have a client who now through CrossFit has found out they like Olympic lifting more and maybe you can get them through the initial stages of learning a lift, but if they decide they want to go to a national level, maybe there's a better coach for that, right? Yeah, um, and I think on that like prosperity mindset, I think people should be excited about referring out. Like mm -hmm. I... If I'm doing an initial consult with someone, we, when we're talking about what the process is going to be like, I will definitely say, and I have this network of amazing clinicians and medical professionals and other coaches that if I don't know, I'm going to go to them. And if you should be working with them, I'm going to go tell you to. And that's mm -hmm. like, first of all, it upgrades my credibility immediately because it's yeah. not just I'm not just some guy in front of a computer somewhere in Philadelphia. I, I really am a, a health professional doing all this stuff and I really am in contact with these people and I don't, I'm, I'm okay reaching out and asking mm -hmm. and, and trying to make sure that the best thing is happening for each person. And maybe that's my program, but it may likely involve some other stuff too. And, and you're still going to get hopefully two or three referrals from that person, even if they don't work with you because you got that, you put them on the right path to getting what they want. Yeah. It blows their mind when you're like, Oh yeah, th this is perfect. But you shouldn't work with me. You should go work with this person. Mm -hmm. They're amazed. Yep. And then you have, then you open the lines of communications with that other person. And then it just creates a great community um, that, that everybody thrives from.
and everyone's doing better work at a higher level. What a concept. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. You hold each other accountable to some degree. Completely. Yeah. In the physical therapy world, are there any, uh, I don't know, either myths or maybe practices you wish didn't exist anymore? <laughs> uh, yeah, there's a lot. Yeah, everyone has a list. Well, I, I hate when someone t like comes to me and says, oh, you're a physical therapist, so you just stretch and heat people. Um, or you guys are the people that just stretch people. Like, no. Or the feeling that we're massage therapists. No, sure. I hate... Well, hate's a strong word. I don't, I don't, I don't like to use it, but I don't like hate. practice of someone walks into a clinic and you immediately throw them on a treadmill or a bike for eight minutes because for a warm up. Like, there's so many other more targeted ways that you could help someone warm up without just throwing them on a treadmill for eight minutes for billing purposes, and maybe it's your time management strategy. Um, if you're trying to work with ten people at the same time, right. It's like the equivalent uh -huh. of the coach giving everyone 400 meters because they don't actually have their act together yet. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, it, and you know, I, along those same lines, it's, oh, you have a hip injury, then you're getting clamshells, straight leg raises, and bridges. And a hamstring stretch and maybe like a, pure, you know, a figure four piriformis stretch. You know, like the cookie cutter programming where it's, it's not even worth the copay. That's $40 for a person to go in if it's two or three times a week. Right. And especially if it's not taking the individual into account, like mm -hmm. you could have just emailed me your hip injury template and I could have done that at home and you know, maybe that, it would do something or not. It doesn't take any skill to administer that. Mm -hmm. And then he's complaining that they're not making enough money. Like it doesn't make any sense to me. Provide a service that dictates you should be making this amount and then maybe we'll, we'll get it. And uh, then maybe physicians won't say LPT oh, won't help because all they'll do is stretch you and that's not what you need. You know? Right. Demonstrate the value. And then it becomes obvious. And you can ask for whatever is appropriate and whatever you need, rather mm -hmm. than just cramming through, you know, a dozen or more people at the same time. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yep. That is one of the I feel like more recently, but maybe it's just because I'm having more of these conversations by people who, oh, I did PT. How was it? Oh, it was okay. Oh, it sounds like it wasn't okay. Well, it was fine. But I was in a room with nine people. So I feel like I got about three minutes of attention and I'm like, mm -hmm. how do you do VT for nine people at one time with one person? Yeah. But, but you know what? Like I think because a lot of times in that case, it's like a physical therapist who sees them for the manual work and then they get pushed off to an aide or an assistant. Oh, sure. Those people through the programs, which as much as we want to bash clinics, like I understand the volume play because reimbursement's going down and as much okay. as we want to bash clinics for that, you can also provide a great service with small group training. Like I don't think it has to be one-on-one. -on -one. You just have to make sure that you're attentive to the individual and you hire the right people that will do so. Now, I don't agree with the nine to one ratio or any of that, but I think a more focused effort on providing value and not making cookie cutter programs and understanding that there's great coaches that provide great small group training in like a one to three, one to four ratio you just have to understand how to coach and understand how to progress and regress. And where's your system? You know, a lot of gyms set up those systems, right? Yeah, for sure. And it's a hard combination of hard skills and soft skills of like mm -hmm. how to, how to, what, like having the technical know-how of what people should be doing, but also managing the space and making sure that people are basically always doing something and feel attended to, even if you're not hands-on with them for 29 minutes or whatever it is. 
Yep. Yeah. And that's, that's just education that physical therapists don't get, but they now have a resource. Yeah. And, and I can't say you guys always get that either. I bet you that's stuff that's just come with experience with you coaching and some of the stuff that you've taken and some of the stuff you've read. Right. Oh, 100%. Yeah. Most of the strength and conditioning stuff is technical. Like technicians love to write courses. And most of the even including the biggest ones are like highly technical recitation of numbers and ideas and movements, but not a lot of, you know, how to speak loudly enough that the whole group can hear you and make eye contact and listen to what someone's saying when you ask them how their day is. And all those little things that if you do it right, will guide how your session is about to go. Yep. You know, if you ask them how they are and like, yeah, it's fine. Everything's fine. I'm ready. Can we just do some work? You're like, oh, we're, we're not doing the, you know, neurological draining thing I had positioned for today. Like, I don't know what's going on with your life, but I'm not going to beat the hell out of you. That would be inappropriate. We're going to do something slightly different. And maybe you'll notice the tweak and maybe you won't, but we're going to make sure that like you live to train another day. Absolutely. I love that. Yeah. As someone with uh, some relatively lofty goals, I like this question. Given unlimited resources, what would you do? Ugh. Um, John, I found all the time and money. What would you like to do with it? That's a tough one. Mm. Save you it for the end. I'd, I'd probably, somehow it would be, how do I change, continue to change the perception of physical therapists within the strength and conditioning space? Right. How, how do I continue to educate younger generations or even, you know, PTs that just need more education in the space to be able to communicate with strength coaches? You know, everybody goes into different avenues of physical therapy based on, you know, helping people. I think all PTs generally want to help people. Right. And you could, you know, helping someone walk in a neurological setting is is amazing. Right. Like you're hugely impactful in that person's life. And their knowledge base is amazing. Um, but I also think um, that that underserved population of the active individuals and athletes, um, just because they're higher functioning, we forget about them. So continue to maybe create, um, and I don't even know if it's coursework, but just maybe it is coursework, but it's a guided coursework to help people learn the soft skills, the hard skills to be able to serve that population and ultimately maybe change the perspective of the, of the population and physicians and of what physical therapists are actually capable of besides just stretching and cookie cutter programs, because I, I think it's become the general consensus at this point. I love that. Taking the, taking the whole industry up. Yeah, it'd be great. And there's, there's some great organizations out there within the PT world that are, that are kind of starting to make that undercurrent of change um, with new clinicians and they're doing a great job doing it. You know, but continue to expound on some of the things that they're doing and just all partner together to really make that change the profession needs. Do you, I hear the excitement in your voice when you talk about this. Do you see in the future you doing less one-on-one uh, -on -one client work and more making PTs better and making the PT industry better? Absolutely. Yeah, I, th I think already we're kind of setting up, I'm seeing less patients and we're trying to hopefully, we're trying to continue to set our clinics up as a, a place that's going to keep our clinicians for the entirety of their career because they have a, you know, a happy place to work. They're being paid well to, you know, being paid what they should 20, 30 years into a career um, without, while staying in patient treatment, without having to worry about going into management to make decent money. 
So I think we're already, I'm already trying to start that. And, and hopefully through just our brick and mortars, we're starting to change that and showing PTs like it actually can be done where you don't have to see a hundred people a week and nine patients an hour to make any decent money. Um, and you know, you're not going to burn out. Burnout's a huge issue in our industry, but if we can show people, yeah, it can actually be done um, where you have a happy work environment and you have the ability to make the money that you want to make 10, 20 years into a career. And then from there, we can expound out into some of the continuing education stuff to improve knowledge base um, with this specialty. Um, so yeah, we're already starting to lay the foundation of those types of things where hopefully it just continues to grow and, and make positive change and influence moving forward. That's super exciting. And it sounds, it resonates deeply with me as someone who in, you know, in a slightly different career, but is, is following very much the same path, like mm -hmm. came in and just, you know, is continuing to try and make things better and better, but already starting to reach out. That's partly honestly where this podcast came from. It's just like getting stuff out there that I think people need to know and beginning to rising tide lifts all boats yep. and make the whole thing better. But also so people can do this, if someone wants to do this, wants to be a coach for a career, that is a career you can have and pay your rent and have a family and all this stuff and not just, you know, work for 18 months and burn out and then go to something else because it was so terrible and you weren't paid and it was awful. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Dr. John Herding, thank you so much for being on the Feel Strong Fitness Podcast. Where should people where should people go to find out about you and Precision Performance and Rise? Drop all of the info so people can go look for things. Yeah, so all three of those are on Instagram. We are, I'm John, J-O-N, Herding, underscore DPT on Instagram. We have Rise, underscore, Education, underscore on Instagram. And we have PrecisionPerformance.pt on Instagram. Um, our company's website is precisionperformancept.com and then rise is sports education or sports rehab education.com as well. You can get all the information of, of all of our clinicians, of all the services we have to offer um, through any of those outlets. And an enormous amount of resources just sitting there for the taking. If I hope people are listening to this, rewind, press your back 30 seconds button and write it down again because it is well worth your time to follow these people and see what they're putting out. Yeah, we have we have a great team of clinicians that are all putting out great information. I love it. Well, thank you so much for coming on. And thank you for uh, being one of the good ones, as we like to say, I really appreciate having you in my network is a tremendous value. And knowing the work you do in the world, uh, frankly, makes me happy that you exist. I appreciate it, Justin. Thank you so much. It's so nice. Absolutely. Thank you. Thank you, everyone, so much for listening. Please visit us at feelstrong.me. Find us on Instagram at feelstrongfit. You can DM us to get started, pick our brain. Rate and review us on iTunes. Please, five stars there. It makes a really big difference. And folks, remember, we don't work with everyone, but we'll talk to anyone. If you're ready to get started today, so are we. Thank you again, and feel strong. Feel strong.